0: and welcome back to episode 2, season 2 of the Ask podcast. We hope you'll be attaining some secret knowledge with us today with our very high-level topic, our fantastic panellists and our great guests that I will get on to very soon. My name is Jenny Summers. I am the Deputy Head of English and Drama at John Hamden Grammar School and this is...
1: And I'm Mark Till and I'm the Head of English at John Hamden and we want to hear from you. We want emails from people. Yes. Definitely respond to the podcast, definitely get in touch with the podcast. It's going to be a great one today.
0: Absolutely. And let's introduce ourselves to our esteemed panellists. So...
2: I am Kian Chopra, I'm in Year 12 and I'm currently studying Chemistry, Biology and Psychology. Brilliant. Uh, I'm
3: Kai Thomas, I'm in Year 13 and I'm studying Maths, Chemistry and Physics.
4: Uh, I'm Nick Sharma, I'm in Year 13 and I'm studying English, um, Economics (laughs) and Design. Yes, (laughs)
1: Yes, <laughs> made the correct decision to study English literature. Yep.
4: And I like how My you
1: favorite. that you opened with that and then forgot that there were other subjects too. This is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> You're already our favorite panelist.
0: Absolutely. So thank you to our panelists. We also have a very esteemed guest and member of our own department. It is Miss Sean Mitchell who's talking about the Pre-Raphaelite Brotherhood or the pre as a general topic today, high-level stuff, university level, so it's going to have some really exciting questions and answers, I am quite sure. We always start with this question, ma'am
5: why this topic well it's something that I've been interested in since I started my degree and then um, as I went on through my sort of you know my early years professionally I really was interested in the pre-raphaelite group the brotherhood and also the kind of impact that they had on later artists and later writers and I think that's something that I've kind of tracked as I've got older I've really been interested in how did they develop over the course of their existence
0: And just for the benefit of those, that and there were a lot of them, having surveyed quite a lot of sick form who have (laughs) absolutely no idea about them, could you just give us a brief
5: outline what on earth is meant by the Pre-Raphaelite Brotherhood? That would be great. Absolutely. So the Pre-Raphaelites were essentially a group of men um, and women as well, actually. We often talk about the men, but there was a a female component as well. Um, In the middle of the kind of Victorian age, so we're talking about the kind of the 1850s, who wanted to rebel against the established art scene at the time, um, they decided that they wanted to go back to the kind of art style of pre raphael Raphael being an artist in the 15th century. They thought that that kind of art, before Raphael got involved, was really vivid, really exciting, really fresh, and they decided that that's what they wanted to return to. So they rallied against the establishment and the Royal Academy, and they established a new art movement.
0: Great, lovely summary, nice and succinct Absolutely, and what did
1: that look like? So what were some of the things that that, that Raphael had brought into art that had become staid and clichéd and What were some examples of them being revolutionary?
5: I think that the pre-Raphaelites particularly kind of felt that Raphael, and particularly those that came after him, were stuck in a rut. They focused on the same kinds of topics, historical paintings that didn't have much life to them. But the pre-Raphaelites were really interested in the big questions, religion, love and death. That's what they wanted to get to grips with, and that's what they felt that art had lost previously to their existence. Just tiny and significant topics. Yeah, They're the really.
0: questions that I feel mm. the
1: podcast is interested in.
0: I <laughs> really? Think, I think
1: that's what we when it comes down to it. Wow. I think it's 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 art and love and death. Brilliant. That's all there is really.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow, without going off on a philosophical sojourn, I'm gonna move it over to our panelists for the first of our questions. I'm quite
2: interested to know that I see a lot of the paintings that they did was it was mainly quite female based. Mm. So I was wondering what why is that so? because they were mainly it was it was male dominated the actual group
5: absolutely i think um it's pretty safe to say that at the beginning of the movement they were very interested in kind of scenes that were sort of more um, either religious or they did have you know scenes with more people in but particularly some of the later works especially Rossetti's works very much became female dominated now there's a crossover there with his personal life because Rossetti was quite a ladies man <laughs> and very often he picked his girlfriends from the models that he used for his paintings i think there's a definite link there that we could that we could explore um but certainly and they used female models for a lot of their works and they would find women on the street they would find women in in, uh, hat shops or women who were working and they would ask them to be their models they looked out for particular things very often you notice that their models have a very similar look to them and and that's something that runs through a lot of their paintings from the 1850s and actually all the way through to the second wave of Pre-Raphaelites that came a little bit after that as well.
3: Uh, How do you think that the Pre-Raphaelite era has affected art and um, art in general now?
5: I think it has had a huge impact on art as we know it at the minute Um, as with all things, fashions come and go, so the Pre-Raphaelites were anti-establishment at the time they weren't even, um, they weren't exhibited at some points uh, by the Royal Academy because they felt that they just were not proper artists, then they became really popular and you get people like William Morris who's known for his his beautiful patterns and his wallpapers and things like that, he was a a second generation Pre-Raphaelite, but then it goes out of fashion then and around the time of the first world war it's described as sort of um arty bric-a-brac they call it it's really (laughs) unimpressive kind of painting Uh, So as with all things, it kind of goes in and out of of fashion. But at the minute, we're really having a a renaissance of kind of pre-Raphaelite interest. There's been lots of books about the pre-Raphaelites. There's been some incredible exhibitions looking at the kind of peripheral members of the group. Some of the women who are involved as artists and writers, Christina Rossetti being one of them. Um, So I think it has had a huge impact. But it's kind of it's 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 fashion has gone up and down over time. Hmm.
4: Um, so I kind of noticed that um, a lot of the paintings use quite vivid or like rich colors, and I was just wondering why would they do that? Maybe is it to? I was reading something. Maybe it's to um, invite uh, like controversy or something. So.
5: Yeah, that's a great point. I think I I could definitely buy into that. Um, They were known for those vivid uses of colour, um, which is actually the kind of style that that was medieval. Italian medieval painters loved vivid colours. And if you go into any cathedral in Italy that's got frescoes on the walls, they are beautifully bright and and, and really, really moving. And the Pre-Raphaelites loved that idea of colour and loved that idea of, of, of freshness. And that's what they wanted to capture uh, in their paintings. So um, I think that that's a a really good thing that we we take nowadays from the Pre-Raphaelites is that kind of vivid painting style.
2: Mm -hmm. I was going to say that obviously they came together to create this kind of different style of art. But what actually happened? Why did it kind of disperse at one point?
5: That's a, that's a good question. So, um, a lot of it revolves around the kind of lives of the Pre-Raphaelites themselves. Originally, there were um, there were three really um, key sort of figures. There were other ones as well, but the three key ones are Rossetti, um, Millet and uh, William Holman Hunt, and they essentially for five years they worked as a brotherhood and they very much supported each other in what they did they um they lived very close to each other they would work in kind of close quarters as well and a lot of their work at that time um you could see links between them after about five years, I think their artistic visions started to separate a bit. Um, Rossetti, for example, was experimenting with poetry as well as um, with painting. Millet became slightly more establishment, and he had a reputation then for someone who the Royal Academy, um, the art establishment, would um, invite into exhibitions. So they started to diverge slightly. Um, but that's the point when Rossetti then meets William Morris and Edward Byrne-Jones and we have a second wave of pre-Raphaelites who are interested in the same themes, who also are interested in poetry and that's where we get a lovely crossover between the art, painting and the poetry of the time um, and we get a new, kind of, a new take on pre-Raphaelites. It sounds
0: like so many bands, doesn't it? That they're all grouped together and then they need to do their solo projects and find themselves and all that kind of thing. Interesting (laughs) to know that's been going on for centuries. It really has, yeah. Yeah.
1: It's true. What are some of the links that um, interested you with literature then? You mentioned the crossover between art and poetry and we're always keen at John (laughs) Hamden's cross-curricular links. Um, What are some of the the links that, that most interest you?
5: I think what interests me the most is the fact that so many of these painters dabbled in poetry or they were poets that dabbled in painting, there was a real sense that poetry and painting were sister arts. They were companions that went hand in hand together. Um, Rossetti was a uh, a big proponent of that kind of idea. And in fact, he got to the point where with many of his paintings, he would have a sonnet or a poem that was based on his painting and he would have it carved into the frame so that when you look at the painting, you can see the poem as well. And what interests me is the kinds of things that the paintings pick out and the kinds of things that the poem picks out. Sometimes they're very similar, sometimes they shed different light on the kind of topics and ideas that that the artists are trying to talk about. Mm. Uh,
3: A thing that I was wondering about is, I understand why uh, why art would feel dull to them after a while, but why band together and make like a brotherhood, Mm. an actual group Mm. to like work on it?
5: I guess it's partly a sense of strength in numbers. And there was a sense I think amongst them that, They were the rebels they were they were known as being rebellious at the time i mean their lifestyle was bohemian they they didn't agree with some of the sort of the moral conventions of the time and they naturally just found each other um and when the initial pre-raphaelite group kind of dispersed Rossetti, within a few years had already gone to oxford and met william morris and edward burne jones and formed kind of a second wave so i think there was a definite sense that as a community they were stronger than than as separate artists working with the same vision, but independently.
1: Mm. Okay.
4: Um, Did the paintings ever reflect sort of um, scenes in literature or um, I think maybe like biblical kind of images, did the paintings ever reflect that sort of thing?
5: They certainly did. The pre-Raphaelites were really um, huge fans of, of mythology, of the kind of stories of of, of ancient greece and rome of, of bible stories and they use those stories to explore these ideas of love and death and these big questions um and so a lot of their work focuses on interpretations of scenes from stories and that's like again that link between literature and art is it's constant with the pre-raphaelites um william morris um sort of later on in the in the 19th century took this kind of to its its ultimate extreme where he set up a um a book company the um, the kelmscott press mm. and these books were works of art they were stories um of chaucer of dante of some really important um writers but in these beautiful intricate works of art with illustrations by edward Burne jones and he really brought those two ideas of, of literature and, and art together in one thing
0: Reminds me a bit of Blake that we study uh, in, in A-level English, actually. Now, on the subject of love, I think we have to talk about Lizzie Siddle, because for me, she's such a standout figure. So I wonder if you could elucidate about her a bit and, and why I you know, might be picking her out as a sort of key inspirational
5: figure within the brotherhood and and what they were doing lizzie siddle is a fascinating woman she's absolutely incredible um she started life um in in quite a poor part of of london um she became a, a, a milliner's assistant so that meant she worked in a hat shop um and so she was working class and one day um rossetti walked past the shop with the other members of the brotherhood and he noticed this stunning girl with beautiful red hair working in there and he said right I've got to have her as a model Mm -hmm. so after a lot of persuading she eventually became his model but what people often don't know about Lizzie Siddle is that not only was she a model but he taught her to paint and to draw and she became an artist in her own right and her, the, the end of her life is really quite sad she mm. got addicted to, um, to laudanum which was, which was um, something that happened to, to quite a few uh, members of the kind of bohemian circle at that time um, and, and after she died Rossetti was distraught because he'd married her by this point mm. so it was his favourite model and his wife who had, who had died um, but her legacy is some absolutely wonderful painting I think and some, some great drawings uh, that I think we often forget about but she wasn't just a model, she was also a, a, an artist in her own right
0: and I think before we move on from this, we need to address the dark thing that I'm assuming this is true that happened
5: after Lizzie Siddle's death. Do you want to tell us about that? Yes. So, uh, Rossetti was an interesting man. Um, <laughs> he, he was a poet and he wrote lots of poems, especially, you know, thinking of his wife. And after she died, he was distraught. So he said, I will never look at them again. And so he buried the manuscripts with his wife. Now, that was fine when it had just happened but a few years later he decided those poems were rather good so his decision was (laughs) shall I dig them back up again and he decided to dig them back up so he had his wife exhumed from the ground in order to get hold of his poetic poetic manuscripts so uh, I don't know what lessons we can take from that but it's a very (laughs) dark note in the
0: story of the Pre-Raphaelites absolutely slightly
5: yikes that bit (laughs) but we can't
0: gloss over it I was
2: wondering there were a lot of these paintings and they had specific names like there's the Lady of the Shalot, there's the uh, Lady Lilith. Um, I was wondering, do these women actually have any importance at the time or is that just what he decided to name the pictures? What what encouraged him to basically name them that?
5: So these women are women from the Arthurian legends. Um, the Pre-Raphaelites loved king arthur and the stories of the knights of the round table um, the stories of sir galahad um, and especially the women involved in those stories who very often met tragic ends particularly if they fell in love with a knight that was kind of what happened to them um, the victorians generally were quite interested in um, arthurian legends they took the stories that had come from the, the the days of the sort of medieval period and they reinvented them for their own society um, some victorians made them quite moral and they used them to tell a story about um, this is how you should live your life and this this is how you shouldn't live your life Um, but the pre-raphaelites loved these stories because they were full of love and death and because they were beautiful and tragic that's what they really liked about them Um, so a lot of these paintings and the poems as well are named after those characters and look at those themes through the lens of of these different stories
0: I'm going to resist asking either Miss Mitchell or Mr Till to recite The Lady of Shalop. I suspect, <laughs> if called upon, they both could do it, because they are just those <laughs> kind of people.
3: Um, oh yeah, so earlier you were mentioning there's like, uh, there are like waves of art. So um, eventually uh, the, that era will come back and it will uh, peak again. Do you think that a uh, brotherhood similar to before or like some sort of group could reemerge?
5: I do, yeah. I think that um, the idea of the pre-Raphaelites is that they're rebels. And I think that we definitely, we still have rebellious artists. I mean, they come in different forms. Um, You know, we have Banksy with his street art. Mm. We have, you know, Tracy Emin and the Unmade Bed. But all of them are rebellious in some way, shape or form. And they rebel against kind of established ideas. So I definitely think that somewhere out there, there are (laughs) artists, poets at the minute who are, pre-Raphaelite in the sense that they are rebelling against the cultural norms at the moment. Mm. Could be in a very school, could be one of these panellists around us, you never know. <laughs> Who knows? You never know.
0: <laughs> Time to, you know, to find yourselves. Um,
4: <laughs> so the paintings there are like, incredibly detailed and I was wondering how um, realism and how audiences or, I guess, is it audiences mm. or viewers and how they would respond to that realism, maybe it's different to um, that stale period that they were kind of retaliating. Mm.
5: It definitely is. Um, at the time, the realism that the Pre-Raphaelites were exhibiting was shocking. Um, there's one particular case that was a real, um, a real newsworthy piece. Um, Millet did a picture um, of Christ standing in the house of his parents. So it's the young Jesus. He's got a splinter in his th- his finger, um, and his mum Mary in this picture is is dealing with with a crying child, and critics at the time were absolutely astounded they said you can't show Hmm. this religious icon looking like a boy with his knees scraped crying he said it's too it's it's too real Um, and the way the language that they used to talk about the painting was almost that it's blasphemous Hmm. Um, so realism nowadays I think that we are much more used to seeing things that are sort of real to us But at that time, particularly with certain subjects, and particularly the idea of religion, the idea of of linking realness or realism into that was really quite shocking. I was wondering, I have a favourite, which is The Scapegoat
0: from William Hunt. I just love it. If anybody hasn't seen it, do Google it. It's such a brilliant, evocative painting. But I wondered if you had a favourite and and why that might be your
5: particular favourite poem or piece of art or both. So I, I have... Very, very many. I absolutely <laughs> love. It. I could sit here and recite them for hours. Um, I absolutely love. Um, Rossetti did a um, a painting called Proserpine, um, which basically means Persephone, and it's uh, it's based on the idea of Persephone from the from the legends, who is uh, trapped in, in in the underworld, um, and she's um, she eats a pomegranate, and that means that she has to stay down there and live with the the, the king of, of of the underworld. Um, and it's this beautiful picture of her looking, holding the pomegranate, and it's the moment of realisation where she realises what she's done. And you can you can see it in the expression, it's beautiful. And what I love about that is that there is an accompanying sonnet to it. And so you get that sense of the kind of crossover between poetry and art, so that's one of my favourites. But I, there are so many, particularly um, the kind of ones based on the Lady of Shalott, Um William Holman Hunt did some beautiful ones. Again, moment of realization where she realizes that she has the curse has, has has overcome her and her hair's flying everywhere mm. and there's it it just looks so incredibly dramatic. Um so yes, all of the pre-raphaelite pieces with drama in, I would say are always going to be my favorites. Mm. Any further
0: questions from my panellists? We've really had a quite a good comprehensive look. Well, as much as comprehensive as we can manage in a half an hour podcast anyway.
2: <laughs> I was going to say, certain approaches were accepted and rejected back then. Has anything really been uh, carried on to modern day art now from mm. back then?
5: That's mm. a great question. I think there's a lot more flexibility now um, about what we consider good art or, or good poetry, um, for that matter. Um, there is more flexibility. Um, I think we still have kind of things that we conform to. um, But I think what the pre-Raphaelites have done is they kind of open that door for that rebellious nature um, in a way that other artists have done as well. The romantics before them, Keats, Wordsworth, they they also had that rebellious nature. Um, But I think the pre-Raphaelites really sort of took it and ran with it in a way that 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 was so exciting. Um, So I think that legacy will live on and will continue to live on for a long time. Now, I think it's time for Sir's new segment that he loves so
0: very much.
1: It is time for the quickfire round, but I want everybody to, to, to chime in with, with quickfire questions. So we'll do a couple of quickfire questions, but then we'll do like a circle of quickfire questions.
0: Okey-dokey. So you've got to have
1: one in your head so that when it's your turn, you have it. We have one minute okay. of quickfire. Now, quickfire means anything that you'd like to find out about the guest of the week. So anything that you want to know about Miss Mitchell in the form of a very quickfire question. So I'll do a few and then we'll go around
0: okay. and we'll
5: find out.
1: Are we time timing? Are we ready? Yep. Time starts now. Okay, fine. Favourite day of the week?
5: Oh, uh, Thursday. Favourite film? Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean.
1: If you could be any fish?
5: Tuna. <laughs> I love that <laughs> answer. Superpower? <sighs> Invisibility.
2: Um, favourite musical?
5: Oh, Les Miserables.
2: One art piece that you could hang up and keep
5: forever. Oh, um, I would go for... um, Oh... Oh, oh, there's so many. Oh, I can't think now. Um, I think I'm going to go for um, oh, uh, uh, the Mona Lisa is coming to mind, but I don't know why. I don't even like it that much. Valuable though. Social
3: pressure. Uh, uh, least favorite painting out of uh, pre-Raphaelite era. Oh, <laughs>
5: right oh that's question. a really good question. Um, I have to say um, there are uh, possibly um, the Awakening Conscience by William Holman Hunt. Um, And it's the idea of a fallen woman, and I think that's probably why, uh, because it's the idea of a fallen woman. And in my modern kind of appreciation, I I have issues with kind of the idea of a fallen woman. So that, Mm. yes. Uh,
4: Okay. If you could have lunch with one person, who would it be?
5: (gasps) Oh, uh, can they be alive or dead?
4: Dead, Uh, dead or alive. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Alive (laughs) alive during lunch, we'd hope.
5: (laughs) Uh, Alfred Lord Tennyson. Young or old? Young. Young Tennyson. Young Tennyson, exciting, young, vivid. Great Tennyson, Yeah.
1: Hmm. If you could teach a subject that's not English,
0: what would you teach?
5: Oh, Um German.
0: Ooh, we're learning facts. That is here, the so end of our uh, quickfire round. I loved that. That was some great facts. I kind
1: of won the quick fire round with the least favourite pre raff. That was that That was, was a brilliant question. question. Yeah. A bit of
0: a curveball though. <laughs> And I know I I should have asked you this in advance, but do we have any clues this week, Sarah, or have we kind of moved on from the clue segment? Well, no, there's not a clue yet.
1: There's not a clue yet. (laughs) I'll come up with something for next time.
0: (laughs) Okay, I'm taking that as a promise. Brilliant. Okay, thank you to everyone today. I thought that was an absolutely fascinating podcast. I learned a lot. The questions were really perceptive and really enabled Mum to come up with some brilliant answers, and she's got such an encyclopedic knowledge here, and I felt like, yeah, we've really picked up on a lot today other thank yous to our technical team led by thomas h in year 11 today but thank you to the rest of you tom um, etc for your fantastic help as usual on editing etc etc thank you to mr till thank, thank you very much. much thank you to our fantastic panelists again, again and for you know great. letting me drag you in here but you did <laughs> such a good job just shows that you know you, what a great mm. students we have at our disposal and uh, do obviously feedback to us with anything Um, please follow us on twitter jhgs english follow me on youtube it's under jenny summers jenny with an i and then you can add to our numbers and get the podcast immediately anything else you can follow or do sir that i haven't thought of
1: um i don't know about that but there are some (laughs) pre-raphaelite uh Posters in the English department. Good point. If you come and point them out and send us an email, you can get double house points.
0: Oh, nice, nice. I like that. And there will also be a quiz question in my next Ask-related email. If you answer that, you can also have a house point. Yes. And I also also have biscuits on the go. And if you can come and answer, you can come and have a biscuit as well. What more could you possibly need? I
1: feel we're sort of begging at this point. Okay, I think we should well, play hard to get. I know. Don't listen to the podcast. Actually, it's too cool for you. <laughs> no, definitely listen to the an email and get involved.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much. And enjoy the rest of your week and we hope to be with you again very very soon bye